I'm your host, kind of MC for the evening, Phil Dexter. I'm the co-host of the Everything College Basketball Podcast. You can find us over at ECB Podcast 10. They're actually in here in the listeners right now as well. Um, I'm also a writer at House of College Hoops. I'm being joined uh, by my good friend and bracketology expert, Dan Vasta, who you've also heard here. Um, known Dan for a couple of years now. Trust his opinion on bracketology as much as anybody. One of the top-ranked guys on the bracket matrix as well. Also have Tyler Markley of Projection Sports here. Uh, Trevor Everett of the Two Pointers podcast is going to be joining us. Got NKY Bracket Guy. Again, another guy who I've just met this year, but really trust his opinion on the bracket. So really excited to get some discussion going. Dan, if you want to get us started off, I know most of the people in here are probably pretty familiar with it. But if for anybody who's not, just give us a kind of breakdown of what the actual criteria the committee's looking at, what are they using, what aren't they using? Yeah, yeah, certainly all, all of us here, uh, a couple of bracketologists on, it's great to be here. Uh, and certainly every year it seems like we get, uh, I wouldn't say the runaround, but everybody's got their own criteria of what they think the committee does things that they don't really mention. Uh, but certainly like we talk about for college football for those folks, but obviously the metrics has been a, a huge uh, you know, thing in college basketball right now where you got kind of six main metrics and we, we talk about the net, uh, the Sagarin, uh, KPI, Ken Palm, BPI, and then you got strength of record. And a lot of people like myself will kind of average those things out. And uh, kind I think you certainly look at the competition with the strength of schedule. I test, I think always has something to do with it, maybe more so uh, for the committee than they let on or say, but there's certainly some other criteria that some people personally use, but I, I think it's, you know, certainly the metrics has taken over. Some prefer others and others. Some are big Ken Palm fans. Some are, are not so much. We don't try to treat this as the Bible. It's just a little bit of a formula and you add it all up and it's kind of a little piece of the pie. You know, maybe you're not a, a big sausage fan of Italian pizza. We kind of put a little topping on every little piece, piece if you will. And then we kind of add it all up and certainly like you do in college football, you go from the beginning of the season to the end and you got to keep track of who's playing, who's healthy, who's hot, who's not. And you kind of do your best summary and you kind of adjust it on the fly as the season and weeks progress. And uh, to your best ability, what you think the committee will do, which is certainly a little different than what we would do. Certainly we'd like teams uh, more so than the committee. We just saw the top 16 a week ago and there were some teams that people did not have uh, in their list that made it. And we even caught a glimpse of uh, the first four out in terms of the four seed. So teams like UConn, uh, which had a pretty good uh, metric rating and didn't make the top four seed. So it's always a little bit of a guessing game going into Selection Sunday in terms of nailing all the seeds exactly. But that's what the fun and excitement gets as we get closer to Selection Sunday. So a lot at the table, a lot to break down, but it's always fun and exciting and certainly to see how close you can get uh, to bracketology, which a lot of people now use bracket matrix all over pretty Pretty much the globe in terms of where teams are in, out, and seated 24-7. Absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned it. We have a lot to get, a lot to, get to, so I'll jump right into it. With the top seeds, yep. you know, we have Alabama, Kansas, Purdue, and Houston as your top four seeds. I believe those are the top four seeds that Tyler has as well. Yeah. Who's the most likely to drop there? Yeah, I tell you what, I mean, that's, I love, we talk of debates and opinions. I think certainly when you look at the four you mentioned, 
I, I lean kind of Purdue and Houston right now. Houston, I think, is certainly going to be solid favorites the rest of the season, conference tournament including as well. But Purdue, the way they've kind of performed, at least in this month, has me kind of second-guessing them as that team that was going to dominate going into the tournament and finally break that curse of the Final Four, which is uh, going all the way uh, back to, what, 1980. So I, I still like their chances to have a decent crack at that, but they may have to do it as a two-seed because – I think there's a good chance they're going to lose another game or perhaps two to three, which I think certainly if you lose two to three, uh, their chances of staying at one line, for me at least, uh, very unlikely with other teams behind them playing just if not better competition and a good chance you're going to see somebody below them potentially win out. And I'm looking at uh, some Pac-12 schools, but really Alabama, Kansas, Purdue, and Houston, uh, for the most part, all in pretty good spots. But Bama and Kansas, obviously, uh, really the strength of record and the victories they're getting from quad one with their respective conferences has kind of risen them uh, above the rest at, at this current time. And I'll pose this question to Tyler or NK, NKY yeah. bracket guy, whoever wants to take it, but out of those, you know, top four seeds, are any of them to the point where you would say they're solidified where they can feel comfortable, you know, for sure as a one. Well, I get, Tyler, you want to jump in, my man? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, yep. So, yeah, I actually I went ahead and moved Kansas to the overall number one today. Mm-hmm. I just you know you look at their thirteen and five in quad one. It's just insane. It's, yeah, no no losses in quad two to four. And then you look at a team like Houston. They're four and one in quad one, but they have a quad three loss. <laughs> so I think there was just enough today for me to finally move Kansas to that overall number one. I don't see them falling off the one line. Houston, I don't see falling either. They're just their schedule isn't. Mm-hmm. difficult enough i don't see any they could lose at memphis but i don't think that's a loss that'll knock them down to two um and then I'm, I'm kind of on board with you with purdue um they have some losable games you know when you have a freshman backcourt like they have um and you get to this point in the season there's you got to expect a loss um at least you know they got indiana tomorrow i think they'll probably win that rivalry game at home but then at wisconsin it's always a tough place to play. Wisconsin's playing for a tournament berth, so that's a very losable game. And then uh, Alabama, you know, the Brandon Miller situation is something to monitor. <laughs> but uh, as of right now, it doesn't look like he's going to be missing any games. So I'm not, I'm not going to predict that they fall. So, yeah, I would, I would pick Purdue right now of those four, that the only team I could really see falling. Well, and then I'll move down to the two seeds and sort of the opposite mm-hmm. end of that spectrum. And Dan, you discussed it a little bit, but I want to get uh, NKY bracket guy here involved if he's available. Yep. Who who from that? Yeah. yeah who from that second line? Um, I don't. We have Texas, Arizona, UCLA, and then Baylor slash Marquette kind of in consideration. Who do you think's the most likely that could maybe rise to the number one seed line? Um, so I mean, the first four you mentioned, I think have. The shot. Um, if there's a Big 12 champion that's not Kansas, like tournament-wise, if the committee's actually evaluating things on Saturday night, they may bump one of those two up, um, especially depending on if Purdue takes two or three losses. Um, the Pac-12 champs are going to be interesting to me, um, depending on if Arizona takes another loss. I don't think UCLA has the wins to jump Purdue or Houston right now, but Arizona definitely could if they want out. I know Trevor who's also a speaker in here, has a couple questions about these top seeds as well. So we'll uh, tee him up here. What's going on, everybody? Uh, the 
I'm really glad to be able to do this mm-hmm. today and talk to you guys. Um, one thing I noticed when I got the notes uh, from Dan was I-, I wanted to address like the one line. I know the answer, obviously, we're talking about most likely to drop and why. Um, but like, obviously, I think Purdue's the easy answer. Uh, I wanted to pose a question about Houston that everybody can kind of discuss. And then I want to touch on the title odds. Uh, if Houston loses any game, are they automatically a two? Yeah, I mean, I, I could jump in. I, I wouldn't say automatically, but I think you would take the uh, – if you had to be a betting man, their chances of be, staying on the one line with a loss, depending who it is, of course, is always the million-dollar question. But if it's any of these next two, yeah, I would take their chances and say they'll probably drop to a two if they lose to ECU and even Wichita at home. Uh, you lose at Memphis or maybe a conference title game, I think there's still a decent shot, maybe close to 50-50, arguably, that they stay on the one line. Obviously, it depends how Rails does, but – um, like we've kind of just mentioned uh, previously, I, I like Arizona's chances if they were uh, to run the table. I certainly think that they would probably get that one over a team uh, such as Houston, especially with their competition. So the Wildcats are a team I'm looking at from the two line. And we also mentioned about other Big 12 teams. Yeah, I think that there's a good chance that Houston would drop off that line if they were to lose, especially since there's only a couple more premier games, Memphis perhaps twice. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. And uh, you mentioned the ECU game. Super excited to hopefully see them beat the crap out of them. I'll be in Greenville tomorrow for that game, um, more for uh, scouting prospects than anything. But, yeah, I I figured that was probably my – that was where I was leaning to in Mm -hmm. terms of the thought process for Houston. Does anybody have any other thoughts there? Tyler, MKY? Yeah. Guys can chime in. No, but – uh, what Dan said, I'm right on board with uh, Houston. Yeah, I do think it's probably a 50-50 proposition if they lose that Memphis game. Um, I've, I've kind of looked past the ECU and Wichita game, but I shouldn't, it's okay. knowing that they lost at Temple. But, um, right. yeah, so we'll see. But, yeah, just them being number one overall in the net, like I know they'd probably drop uh, quite a bit if they lost, but it's, it's just surprising that they've stayed at number one this long considered – considering you know the the number of quad one wins just isn't there which i don't know yeah so yeah yeah so in terms of the title odds i wanted to bring that was the thing i was hoping would be left for me here Mm -hmm. in terms of the top seeds and when you sent these to me dan i I just i don't know whether you got these from you know a top tier fan duel draft kings i don't care whether you draft kings yep okay perfect so so a large site and obviously these are going to fluctuate um, for the context yep. for the listeners, and I'm going to give my thoughts and we can discuss them. But uh, Houston at six and a half to one, uh, Bama at nine to one, Kansas. And it looks like you've updated these because when you sent me these, Kansas was not nine and a half to one. So that's good. Uh, and then Purdue yep. at 10, and a, 10 to one. So I, I'm just going to get this out of the way. When you sent me these, Kansas was like 11 to one. And, and right now, I, you know, I am a somewhat of a betting man, but I will say for those that do enjoy it, I think right now, if you can get Kansas at, at nine and a half to one, who, by the way, to me, looks like the most talented team in the country. If you're, if you're getting a team like Kansas at nine and a half to one, I think that's absolutely free money because obviously no future is, is a good future all the time, for, in my opinion. But I'm sorry, but Bama being nine to one in the odds uh, in terms of how fast they are and how young they are. Houston obviously scares me. I think they do probably make the final four and have a really good chance to win the national title. I've been picking them all year. So I'm walking back some of my, you know, I own takes here, but Kansas at nine and a half to one. If we're talking just value, I think that's insane that they're not the number one uh, or the second uh, best odds to win the title. Yeah. I, 
I agree. I, I think uh, barring we see an Ali Farouk Manesh type of upset from like a Northern Iowa team like we saw uh, many years ago, Kansas is a good chance they could be that, you know, AP final number one team, number one overall seed. And like you mentioned, the odds, you have that Midwest region. If they were to get that, now you're playing in Kansas City. And I know they did lose, I believe it was to Oregon about a decade ago but, or a handful of years ago. I still believe that they're going to be right there. Uh, these odds may dip in half. We, we could see them at maybe as four or five to one, as low as. So I think if you could have gotten 11, 11 to one, I saw on Monday and it moved on to, I think, nine, nine and a half Wednesday night, Thursday morning. So it's going to keep getting lower, if you will, for the value purposes. Jayhawks certainly on paper right now look like the top team in the country, at least as of what they've shown. And uh, we'll see if they can win out. I, I think if, if they lose a game, they're pretty safe to be a one right now. And uh, it's hard to bet against them. Anything shorter, I think, of an Elite Eight, anything shorter that would be uh, maybe a borderline utter disaster, certainly a disappointment for uh, the defending champs. Looks like, yeah. And uh, Go ahead. And I, I was just going to say, and I agree with that. If I could only bet one team right now, it's going to be Kansas. But, you know, that's exactly what I was la- thinking. When's the last time we had a back-to-back national champion, though? Was it 06, 07 with Florida? Yep. Yeah. I believe so. so, I mean, it's not – it doesn't happen often. But, yeah, like like you guys said, they've been the most impressive team so far that I've seen when they're clicking on all cylinders. So, they would be my bet. But just the back-to-back thing, you know, it doesn't happen. Yeah. Uh, same thing as Trevor said. When you sent those odds, Dan, that was the one that jumped out at me, obviously – Nothing is a sure thing, particularly this year. We've seen every team has, you know, some weaknesses. But if you can get Kansas at nine and a half to one, that's an absolute steal. I think uh, Drew here may have a question that he wanted to ask on the top seeds. Go ahead and jump in here, Drew. Yeah. Um. So I'm a KU fan, and I was kind of just wondering. So I, most of the bracketology stuff I've seen has them in the West right now, and I was wondering, like, if KU was to win out, or maybe only lose to Texas and then win the Big 12 tournament if they would jump Houston for the Midwest seed. Assuming yeah. I, yeah. I like their chances. I, I think – and Kansas' chances, I think, are, are looking great for the Midwest. I don't think Houston's going to jump the Jayhawks. Um, yeah, can't, barring Kansas loses multiple times, I think they're looking pretty safe at Midwest. Multiple, I think, minimum two they have to lose to probably get off of that Midwest region. But worst case – uh, you know, they, they get, you know, the committee kind of uh, doesn't allow them to play Midwest, you know, moves them down to the three or four overall and somehow Houston jumps ahead of them. I still wouldn't panic. I wouldn't worry about that uh, because I would argue some of the pressure, not that Bill Self uh, is uh, lacking the coaching since he's been arguably the most productive regular season coach I've seen in a while. I, I think Jayhawks talent wise, they'll be OK regardless of where they get shipped out. But certainly Midwest, I think, is uh, in their in their grasp if they can just uh, fin- get to the finish line relatively uh, healthy and, and some with some momentum anywhere close to what they have right now. Yeah. OK, because I was a lot of stuff I had seen had Houston in the Midwest and KU in yep. the West. Yeah. And I was Because I think Houston's great. I think they're the like they're the favorite and I think they probably should be but it was kind of like because they're what four and one in quad one and KU's 14 and five which is absurd like I feel like at some mm-hmm. point the quad one wins gotta matter I mean I'm biased yeah. but <laughs> yep yeah, they, they will. I think they're only going to continue to pile up because Kansas is going to have a handful more. So I think, it, it, like anything, it just the more wins they get and uh, 
be competitive. And I think they're going to get most of those wins. And I think they'll continue to move up and more likely be that number one overall seed if they can win at least two of these next three. And then if they can relatively just get to the Big 12 title game, which they'll probably be heavy favorites to do so, you can pretty much bank them uh, in the Midwest. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks. Tyler, Hunter, you guys got anything you want to add before we move on? Um, yeah, just that, yeah, like I said, I, I went ahead and moved them to overall number one today, which right. put them in the yep. Midwest. Um, I think, you know, anytime Kansas, they finish with West Virginia, Texas Tech, and then at Texas, take care of those first two games. Yeah. And, then, you know, at Texas, they can lose that. I mean, I, I, I would probably still have them ahead of Houston. I mean, I'm not going to penalize them that much for losing at Texas, but Right. Um, just, you know, Houston, if they lose a game, you know, they're really going to drop. Kansas loses. They're not going to fall very much. So they just Kansas. I, I feel pretty good that they're going to end up being the overall number one. Yeah, I mean, I think that you all covered it at this point. I mean, Kansas, even if they lost two games and dropped a three, um, I don't see them getting jumped by Houston. All right. Dan, I know you had a uh, interesting stat about oh, the yeah. top seeds that uh, you had put in the notes. You want to go ahead and let everybody sure, know? Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. I'll be, I'll be, you know, posting more stats and revealing some here. And, uh, you know, my nickname is Bones because, uh, you know, I'm a big barbecue fan. Love me some ribs. So I'll call it like the ribs stat of the week for really important bone stat. This one's important if you enjoy making money, which I hear uh, is always a fan of most people that enjoy the uh, the gambling side of things or is some called the game of risk. So did you know, while a one seed has lost on the opening weekend five times combined in the last five tournaments, we saw Nova, Virginia, Xavier, Illinois, Baylor recently, but did you know 33 out of 43 seasons, which goes all the way back to 1979, which was the first ever year that seeding began, that 33 out of 43 times either a one or two seed has won it all. A one seed's won it 26 times. A, a, a two seed's won it seven times, which you know, tells you the difference between a one and a two. But you combine them, that's 33 out of 43 since seeding began in 1979. So if you're not a one or two, you've only won it 10 out of 43 times. So these seeding, you know, it's not everything. Uh, but in terms of contending and ultimately somebody's going to get to the finish line. And lately we've seen a bunch of ones uh, completely dominate uh, the NCAA tournament, and it's just a matter of who. That's always the difficult part, but if you get enough of those one seeds with favorable matchups and draws, like we say, their chances of advancing now is proven time in, time out. You're better off being a one or two as opposed to a five seed, which actually has never won the national championship. So plenty of stats ahead before we get this election Sunday, Phil, but that's one you, you want to just keep a close eye on. If you don't have any ones or twos, you're probably doing yourself a disservice. Yeah, that was the unbelievable part about it to me, because I feel like when you talk to people around March Madness, especially when people are filling out brackets, mm -hmm. everybody's very weary about sending too many one or two seeds to the end because, you know, everybody likes to pick upsets and all that stuff. So when I seen this stat, I was I was a little shocked, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yep. Oof. But moving on away from the top seeds into maybe more what people are interested in, kind of the bubble and a little bit of debate. I talked earlier, you talked earlier, Dan, about mm -hmm. the committee criteria and, and what they use. I know you guys project your brackets based on what the committee's going to do, not based on what you personally would do if you were a member of the committee, you know, 
or that, you know, if that were the case. But are there any teams right now that you think have a worthy resume of getting in? Maybe not by what the committee looks at, but just what you've seen overall this year. Maybe we could let Tyler and NYK jump in first if you'd like. Um, in terms of actually being in the tournament that aren't currently projected, uh, not really. I mean, all these bubble teams, you know, they they're bubble teams for a reason. They 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 lose games they shouldn't. You know, their resumes aren't great. Um, you know, ever since the field expanded to sixty-eight, you know, you're just you're kind of watering it down a little bit on the bubble. So I'm fine with with where it looks right now. The only issue I had last week with the committee's bracket reveal was Indiana at a four. Um, <laughs> that, that was really surprising to me. I had them more along the lines of a six. So I, I've taken that into effect with my own bracket. I had them as the last four seed today. Whereas normally I would have had a team like Miami or UConn ahead of them, which I finally did move UConn ahead of them today. But um, it was really surprising to see Indiana get that much credit uh, i think they're a little bit overvalued by the committee right now yeah i mean the same thing with indiana i didn't have them anywhere close to the four line when the committee revealed it closer to six um and i'd say utah state and new mexico um i think utah state's good just they lost a couple games they shouldn't have and now they're probably not making the bracket barring something crazy um but other than that like these the bubble is just weak on the flip side of that, are there any teams that you have projected in right now that you're maybe looking at it like, holy shit, how how is this team in the tournament right now? <laughs> I'll go with Wisconsin. I mean, yeah. I, I hate the lack of an offense and just like their style of play from a power conference team. And they've lost so much. It just it's hard to watch. <clears throat> yeah, I watch a took lot of work. Took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the, the bubble's pretty weak. I'm with these guys. I think Indiana certainly that did catch my my uh, my eye when they you know the the, the top six teams always there gonna be a couple teams that you kind of adjust and I think ultimately it works itself out. What was it many years ago with Trey Young in Oklahoma? They they barely made the tournament seemingly. I think they lost that year to Rhode Island in the first round and they were a, a top four seed. And so a lot can change depending on how these. Teams finish. We'll see more about Indiana. I still think the committee, you know, in the Big Ten, that potential second best team, though, certainly that remains to be seen perhaps here. But yeah, I have them as a five. I think they're, you could argue they are closer to a six. But I, I think certainly the bubble is so weak that it can't really count out some teams that, well, have been very disappointing. One would be North Carolina, perhaps a couple teams from Mountain West, but one team that we've kind of talked about a, a bunch, Phil, is uh, uh, Penn State. I think, you know, with Seth Lundy and certainly Mr. Pickett's been a star for the Nittany Lions. Got a nice win uh, last night in Columbus. Uh, relatively always important getting a road win. So there's a couple teams I think could still get a shot here if they could just find some success and avoid uh, stubbing their toes down the stretch against some inferior competition. And that's why, you know, the committee is going to wait, you know, we always say wait till at least late Saturday, but certainly for these regular season, the night before Selection Sunday, that is. There's so much to be played still. We'll see if these quad one, quad two wins tally up for those Penn State, North Carolina teams, I think, have a chance to to still move up with, you You know, looking at some teams we'll get into of who's in, who's out. There's still a lot of power five teams, power six teams that are kind of on the way down right now and don't exactly have many easy games coming up. So there are some teams I think are still mathematically uh, more more than likely have a good chance of getting in still, despite uh, some discouraging uh, play of of recent memory. Just watching North Carolina's first half against Notre Dame, 
uh, seemingly brought basketball back 50 years, but they got the dub and uh, they move on to the next. So there's a couple teams that uh, you got to kind of flush a, a bad game and, and try to survive in advance like we ultimately see these teams uh, in the tournament. So are there any teams right now that you would say you kind of maybe have a beef with or mm-hmm. that, you, that you're maybe away from where the consensus is as far as seeding goes? Maybe you're higher or lower than where everybody else is consensus-wise on the bracket matrix? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think Miami needs to get more love, but they're obviously playing the ACC, which is about as bad as we've seen them play, even though they weren't exactly amazing last year. But we've seen so much postseason success in that conference. It's it's hard to uh, you know put that to the side. But the eye test shows there's a lot of the bottom tier is pretty pathetic for their standards, and the mid tier is not exactly uh, uh, anything more impressive than bubblicious. So I, I kind of like the Canes more than most teams seated at or below them. Uh, but the committee didn't exactly give them much love just, uh, what, a week or two ago. UConn, I think, is if you look at their schedule, I would not be shocked, guys, good at their take. I think UConn may win out. And if they win out, there's a good chance I think they'll go from, what, a five seed the committee um, talked about. I, I think that they could jump up to maybe a three seed. I wouldn't rule out a two, but I, I think they got a good chance to move up a couple lines. I, I have them all the way up to a four right now. And I, I don't, I'm not sure, you know, it's hard to say all these teams are going to win out, but they're one team that's kind of a little bit under the radar. Um, that's not really considered top 10 other than the metrics do love them all probably even more than I do, but they could win out with their somewhat charm and soft schedule regular season wise until the t- tournament played MSG. They are a team. I think that is, that is on the rise. That I think the committee uh, kind of avoided and which is a little surprising because certainly the big East, I think has been better than certainly most thought at least going into the season. And, and I'll, I'll just jump in real quick. A, mm-hmm. a team, a team I may, the overvaluing right now is Florida Atlantic. Um, mm. It's a it's a really tough team to seed right now, just because you know you look at their resume. Uh, it's tough to compare a resume that's you know three and two in quad one, two and two in quad two to these other teams that have played you know twelve or fourteen games in quad one. So um, I've got them at a seven right now. I think sure. that's their ceiling. I don't think they can get any higher than that. Um, I think they can only fall from a seven. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, depending on what they do in the CUSA tournament, um, but I, I could see them falling to an eight, nine range. But if they went out, I definitely think seven is within play for them. So I'm going to defend uh, I'm going to defend the ACC a little bit. And there we go. To, <laughs> in regards to tech, I, I, I overvaluing team, I have a beef with that. I think Texas A and M. I know that they're, you know, let me double check their record, make sure I'm not talking out of my, you know what. Uh, I know that they're 21 and seven, um, but I, I think the SEC and the ACC this year are pretty comparable in terms of, you know, you have your top tier team in Virginia and Alabama, um, and then that next tier, like you mentioned, like we're not proud of anything. We um, from ACC country, we're not proud of the ACC and its bottom tier, um, but right. neither is the SEC. It with Ole Miss, LSU. South Carolina, Georgia, Mississippi State, and Florida here in the last couple of weeks have just fallen off of the planet, but. I think that middle tier of your Arkansas, Missouri, Auburn, Tennessee are very comparable to your Virginia, Pitt, I, Clemson. I'm, I'm overvaluing completely. I don't think Clemson's as good as they are. Uh, NC State and Duke, I think, are all quality tournament teams in that range. Now, the seeding, that's where it gets kind of confusing with Texas a and I, I would have them closer to an eight line, but I, I think a lot of people are starting to, as they're starting to win more games here on the stretch, that uh, they're obviously getting closer to a six. Um, I understand that they're 24 in Ken Palm right now, but – 
I, there's a lot of teams uh, in the ACC I feel a lot more confident with uh, in terms of your like Miami, your Virginias, your Pittsburghs, mm-hmm. your NC States, your Duke that I would rather have over Texas A&M right now. On a team I want to throw at you guys, I, there's a little variance between you three guys and the seating, and I have a personal vested interest because I am a fan. But Illinois, Tyler, you have them at an eight, I believe. NKY, you have them at a six. And then Dan, you have them at a five. Right. Just, I, w- I would just kind of like to hear your guys' reasoning for where you have them seated, just so I can sort of un- understand that variance a little bit as, as just a fan. Sure. I, since I since I've been undervaluing of the three guys, I'll I'll start off. I'll just say, you know, they've been such an up and down team all season. I mean, they started off looking like Final Four contender out in Vegas. The way they came back on UCLA and beat them, but just they go through these stretches during the season where they'll lose a couple in a, in a row and just like the first half last night. You're going to get the first half we saw last night or the second half team. You know, um, they're three and seven in Quad One. That's not very good. Um, you know, it, it's just a tough team to figure out right now. They definitely have a lot of opportunities to move up, but right now they just kind of look like an eight seed to me. I don't know about, uh, you know, these other teams in the Big Ten, like from two to ten, like you can take a name out of a hat and they're on any given night they can beat each other. So it's, they're just kind of in that jumbled mix for me. Yeah, I think they're tough. I mean, the great, I think certainly Texas A&M. We've talked Florida Atlantic. I think those are those are definitely trending teams. I will say about the Illini. Um, I, I still the metrics like them. I'm not saying I'm, I'm and I'm not exactly the biggest metrics guy, but I, I think you look at Sagarin ratings. They got him. I think in the top fifteen. I started entering the week. Ken Palm loves him. I'm not the biggest Ken Palm guy, but they're considered a top twenty-five, top thirty team metric wise. So I think if they can finish strong here. Um, you know, avoid a, a tough loss. I think you look at the remaining, was it three games? They go to Ohio State, Purdue. You split those, assumedly. You beat Michigan at home, go two and one, and you get to at least the semis in the Big Ten. I, I think they got a decent shot for a five or six seed still. I just moved them up to the, the my final five spot last night, but I, I'm not I'm not all in love with them either. I, I think certainly their their shooting ability is really hot, cold. When I mean, they don't have good ball movement, they they're a little bit like North Carolina in terms of when they're stagnant in offense half court sets, they really uh, can settle for bad shots. But certainly, I think if Terrence Shannon, that version we saw last night, um, he, he was pretty tough to contend. It was just, it seemed like yesterday he was playing the national title against Virginia. But if he's playing well for the Illini and they're not settling for long jumpers, uh, I think they're a bona fide top 25 team. I, I like them on both sides of the ball, but they're, they're very consistent. Like you can make a case, everybody outside, you know, an average bracketologist outside their top four seeds or so. You could you could question yourself of are you confident in them? They're not definitely a team. I don't think any of us are overly confident. I do like their talent on paper, but I, I like their defense length ability overall to potentially get a five seed. And I would not be uh, you know betting the ranch that they don't avoid that five twelve upset. But I, I, I got them as a low five right now, not overly confident. But I got them over just barely over teams like St. Mary's, TCU, obviously Northwestern. They just beat San Diego State's one of those teams. I think. 
among those four have all good chances to move up. But um, the Dukes, Michigan States, I, I think uh, Providence, A&M, Missouri, Iowa, Maryland, Arkansas. Arkansas is certainly like the most out of those last couple. But those teams, I think, for me at least, are a little tier below them. I like the Big Ten a little bit more than most conferences. And I think Illinois, if they could just show me any consistency, I like their chances to avoid that kind of 8-9 dangerous range where I know it might be tough on the one seed, but more times than not, you'll see that 8-9 team, of course, get bounced on the opening weekend. As long as Illinois can avoid a home loss to Michigan and an early exit in the Big Ten tournament, I think they'll avoid that 8-9 matchup and get no worse, in my opinion, than a, probably a 6 seed. But certainly they have to show some more consistency. But when beating Minnesota at home and, and now a solid win over Northwestern, perhaps they're, they're getting over that hump, but uh, that remains to be seen. NKY, did they have any room to move up for you? I know you were kind of in between the two guys here. Yeah, so, I mean, they're six now. I mean, I started the week, I think they were an eight at the beginning of my week. Um, yep. Tied with Duke almost exactly. I think I tweeted about it and everything. Um, they could probably end up at a five. Um, they could end up as low as a nine. I mean, the five to nine range is just crazy close. Um, after, especially, like, on my bracket, after, like, the 23rd team or so, um, all the way down to, like, 32, which is Duke, they're really close right now. Um, and like UK and Nevada and Auburn are really just, they could pump up there real quick if they made deep runs in their tournaments. Dan, you mentioned some of sort of Mm -hmm. the trendy teams to talk about, you know, you rattled off some teams in there, but a team that I've really wanted to talk to you guys about is FAU. Are they safe (laughs) for an at-large bid right now? No. I think if they lost a game or two, um, we it could be a bad like they could just fall all the way out. Um, I think they're going to end up a seven if they win out and they win their conference tournament because that's what they did with Murray last year. Super similar resume, um, but they could I mean they could fall out if they lost another game in the regular season and then didn't win their at large. Yeah. I- yeah, I think I'm with you. I think I'm with you. I think we've seen that where a lot of these mid-major teams that have, I think it was about a decade ago, I'd have to go back, but I'm pretty confident St. Mary's missed the tournament about a decade ago, guys, and they finished the final AP poll ranked. Now, the AP poll, the final AP poll comes out before the tournament, and that's it. It's the coaches' poll we see after the tournament. So I would not say Florida Atlantic's going to be ranked and miss the tournament, but I think I'm with you. I think if they were to lose to UTEP, Rice, even losing a tech on the road, I think there's a chance that if they were then were to lose another game, maybe at the semis or even prior to that, I would not bet the, I, I would not be shocked if they missed the tournament. They're not mortal lock, sharpie them. Uh, they got to win these next three games, and then I'll be much more confident. But if they were to lose any of these three games, I think they are a trendy team because some people do have them as high as a six or seven seed. And I, and I just moved them up to a nine, but I think I had them as a 10 entering the week. So a loss for these teams that don't exactly have great schedules, you can drop them two seeds just because the teams below them are likely going to avoid a bad loss and probably get a good win. When you look at some of these teams like, now Rutgers is struggling for me, but a team like Arkansas is really playing pretty well overall. And you're going to see somebody in the Big Ten is going to show some consistency or at least protect home court like we've seen. So a tough loss there, and they could be uh, squirrely on the bubble. And then if you see a team like Penn State or North Carolina – uh, have a couple of quad one wins, which there's going to be a lot of opportunities. That's where FAU could be in, in danger territory. But I, I like my chance with them, uh, but I'll be much more confident if they can win these next three regular season games. But yeah, I got them all the way down in a nine and not overly in love with them. Uh, but I certainly like their chance at this moment. Uh, a nice, impressive, big lopsided victory last night. Yeah, and, and I, I agree. I think they're, they're... Yeah. Go ahead. 
just just real quick. I think they're safely mm-hmm. in right now. But like Dan said, you know, finishing up at home with a quad four game to UTEP, you can't lose that. And then yeah. road games at Rice and at Louisiana Tech. Both of those are quad threes. Um, I think you you need to go two and one at least. And then just, you know, don't have anything catastrophic happen in the tournament. And they should be in. So another team that I had thrown out, and I agree with everything on FAU uh, that you just said, uh, I pro Joe, I'm going to call you. Our projection. So uh, just making sure that I throw this out here, because I talked to a couple of other people uh, in bracketology that I uh, trust as well. And I, I think another tough conference is the CAA this year. Obviously, you have any amount of teams of Towson, uh, UNCW, and Drexel can all win the conference. Uh, and obviously, Charleston is a very clear, obvious question I'm about to ask. But um, say they make the, you know, the conference final and they lose to a UNCW or a Towson or a uh, whoever the other one, Drexel, I said was, um, is Charleston in as an at-large? Yeah, I don't like their chances to answer your question, frankly. I mean, we've seen it too many times where teams get left out in that situation, just scenario, just laid. Obviously, now, I think we'd have to find out how these other bubble teams do. You know, does North Carolina win their next three games? Is it their left in the regular season? How does Penn State look? A couple of other bubble teams, Utah State and the Mountain West, a couple other teams in their conference. But I'd probably say side on the, on, on the safe side and say no. Uh, they probably were to, to get left out and be a top, what, top seed in the NIT potentially, which isn't going to make them feel any better. But I, I like the Cougars' chances to hopefully avoid disaster and just win out. It kind of scary last night, the Towson in that first half, but uh, their balance and ability to shoot the ball, hopefully, if they can just avoid a, a brutal night, uh, get to that 30-plus win mark and avoid that fourth loss and, and, and automatically get that auto bid and be a dangerous uh, potential 12 seed. And and I agree with you, Dan. I'd even throw Oral Roberts into that same category. I just think they both, you know, they both had such awesome seasons. I would hate to see them, you know, lose in the tournament and not make it. But I think both of them, they just don't have the number of good wins you need. And I mean, it's not their fault. You know, teams don't want to schedule them in the offseason or in the non-conference. So it's tough for those Mm -hmm. teams to, to get quality games, but they just don't. They haven't done enough again in quad one and two regions for me. You mentioned the uh, North Carolina aspect of uh, feeling good after that, but I know that we brought this up a couple times and Dan just said it there with uh, Charleston's chances. And I don't think there's any, obviously they lost at North Carolina second game of the season, but right. um, I mean, I oh nine, oh nine in quad one. I got to see North Carolina last week against Miami and granted, it was an impressive performance for the fact that, you know, they had every foul call possible in the second half go against them. And, you know, <laughs> Norchad Amir took – they caught out of the game pretty much. But, I mean, yeah. I, this North Carolina team is horrible. I, I'm sorry, but I, I am so sick of hearing them on this line. And I know that they're, you know, in, they're in that tier and, and they put, could potentially do it. But I just think 0-9 and Quad 1 is too much. And this team is yeah. really bad to watch. I'm yeah, just sick of hearing it. <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, I think if it weren't for last year – I think you probably definitely wouldn't hear it at all. But obviously, uh, they caught fire in the tournament, played pretty well down the stretch. I would, I would, I'm with you, though. I don't think they, they – they, that first half against Notre Dame was two nights ago. or la- Yeah, two nights ago. I mean, that was some ugly basketball. It was like watching a JV uh, team uh, match up at a 5 o'clock game. And, uh, man, second half they played much better. But against relative teams with pulses, you're not going to win those games. So I'm intrigued to see how they look against Virginia, which what can we make Virginia? I know a couple people here like them. I'm kind of off their bandwagon right now, but obviously uh, Tony Bennett uh, come up here where they didn't make it last year. Certainly a, a bounce back year, but if, if they can avoid losing to Florida State, beat Duke and Virginia, 
I know you're not going to like this, Tyler, but I, I think they're almost a lot to get in if they win these next three games and avoid uh, uh, an early loss, get, meaning prior to the quarterfinals. Uh, if they were to get to the quarters, even semis, I would pretty much bank them in. But I think it's this last year. I mean, certainly they look so good, and this year, anything but a preseason number one team. It's, I mean, Caleb Love, he's had problems chewing gum and dribbling the ball seemingly half court. There's a couple occurrences. If you go back to the NC State game, the first possession of the game, Caleb Love threw the ball out of bounds to the cheerleaders. I don't know if he was just looking at them and not Baycott, but he threw the ball out of bounds to start the game. He thought Armando Baycott was was going to move as like if he was an NBA freak athlete, which he isn't. So there's just been too many question marks with them, but I wouldn't put it past them because at their highest, they're probably better than most, uh, I would say, at least bubble teams, if not maybe the 5-6 seed range. But certainly they haven't shown that nearly enough. So I can't completely count them out, but man, boy, they they were very stinky in that first half, and we'll see if there's another couple of teams that – and the Mountain West or Penn State take advantage because it's like there's spots here for the bubble and seemingly nobody in the country really wants it. The bubble's always fairly sketchy, but this year I would rank it at least in the last four or five years. It's about as sketchy as it gets uh, just because all these teams keep losing. Certainly nobody really seems like not too many and not enough at least don't love Pitt on Bracket Matrix. I, I'm a bigger fan, but I did dip then down to 10-11 seeds, but teams like Oklahoma State um, are sometimes MIA. We'll see if West Virginia can avoid a letdown. And now Rutgers is a team that I, I have no faith in. And I wouldn't sh- be shocked if they were to lose a couple games, maybe three more games for us in the season, count the conference tournament. So there, there's a t- couple teams that, that sneak in here. And very rare do you see teams out right now that won't get in. So it's just a matter of who those teams are and uh, which teams are going to drop the ball. And certainly we shall see if the Heels become the first ever uh, preseason number one team to miss a tournament. It was only Kentucky the year they got to the title game that finished the year unranked. Most teams finished somewhere in the top 10 and safe to say Carolina, uh, for a mortal lock to not finish the year ranked, let alone top 10. Yeah. <clears throat> and just a quick hit on North Carolina. Mm-hmm. I moved them from first four out to next four out today, despite the sure. one over Notre Dame. Um, well, yeah, good. ugly just, win. Good. Just Thank still, you. still no, <laughs> still no quad one wins. Um, the, the thing yeah. I'll say about them though, they finished with like Dan said, home with Virginia at Florida State, home with Duke. So, I mean, they've got two opportunities for big-time wins. And then, like, ACC tournament, there's so many average teams in that tournament that, you know, you could you could get hot. And they have – they seemingly have the talent to do it. They just haven't put it together. I'm not banking on them to put it together, but uh, there's a chance. So, I wouldn't yeah. count, the, I wouldn't count yeah. them out. And the ACC tournament this year is in Charlotte, so I'm sure – the heels faithful faithful will show up if their season's on the line, but uh, we shall it's see. Greensboro, be, which is even closer yeah, to Chapel Hill. Right, right. So I mean, and they, who knows who they, who that one seat could be? And obviously, we don't know if Carolina's going to be that eight nine range, but certainly it's looking like they may be around there. So it's going to be crazy to project that tournament, and uh, perhaps that that goes into the heels' favor. But uh, they got to go out and prove it and win some with some consistency, which is certain something that they haven't really shown. I, I think R.J. Davis is the one player that. Uh, you can point to many guys in the team, but he's ever since he broke his finger in October, his shooting form and, and uh, production really has been falling off from that Baylor game where he pretty much uh, just went bonkers in that round of 32 game in the tournament last year. And certainly he's been pretty much the exact opposite for a good portion of the year. So we'll we'll see if he can play a little bit better because he's been uh, sometimes useless on defense and then the inability to score, make shots. 
though he did get that big one uh, against the Irish. Maybe perhaps that will uh, that momentum will help him. But uh, the heels need more than Uncle Monk than Uncle Mo on their side right now. But uh, it's going to be exciting the next what nine days when they get the Dukies and then of course Virginia this weekend. Before we get too deep into yep. uh, more of yep. the bubble topic, I do want to jump back just real quick to Conference yep. USA and just curious your guys' thoughts. Assuming FAU does run the table here but slips up in the conference tournament, gets a uh, at-large bid, what potential seeding are we looking at for a North Texas or a UAB if they were to also get in? So I, I think they're both 12 seeds. If they win the CUSA tournament, I think they both have 12 seed resumes. Um, hmm. I think, you know, they're right on par with like the Kent States, um, Drake's, those kind of teams. Um, you know, none of them have, they're not going to be playing many quad one and two games, but for those teams, what I look at is how many losses do you have in, you know, quad three and four, they don't have many and they have a good strength of schedule. So I, I like them both. If they were to win the CUSA, to both be twelve seeds. Yeah, yeah, I, I think double digit for sure for me. Depending, Phil, you know what round? Uh, if they were to lose quarterfinals, win these next three, lose quarters. I think that 11-12 range, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if we saw them in the plane, potentially, if they were to fall short, Florida Atlantic, that is. And then North Texas, if they were to win that, I'm with you. I think they'll probably be that 12-seed range, 12-5. We, we saw them beat, I think, Purdue and four years ago. I think they were 13 that year. So, I mean, we'll see them probably right around that 12 range. Florida Atlantic, I mean, they got to they got to win these next three and hopefully avoid a quarterfinal loss because then I think they may have to sweat it out a little bit more than they would like to. But and that's just because there's going to be other bid stealers, in my opinion. Then talk about the other bubble teams you've been talking about. So yeah, they they got to win these next three and preferably four. All right, I know Josh, my uh, co-host at Everything College Basketball, mm-hmm. has a question that he uh, wanted to get in here. So Josh, go ahead. Hey, what is up, fellas? What's going first on? Of all, first of all, I want to say that. Uh, I'm happy you guys are doing this. Been listening. Yep. It is nice to finally uh, be a guest for once and can just listen instead of always hosting. But you guys are doing tremendous, so I do appreciate this. But you know what? We've been almost – or you guys have been like about 45 minutes in and not even brought up Kentucky once. So let's, <laughs> hey, let's, hey, let's talk about the cat. That's okay. Because we, all, we all know that they're getting better. And the they went from just what? 14 days ago, 13 days ago, they had one quad, one win. Now they're up to five. And there's theory, you know, they've won nine of their last, or sorry, 10 of the last 13. If they continue to win like this, I'm of the belief, uh, we talked about it on episode 140 last night, actually, that they can get as high as a 60. Because if you look now with the five quad ones, they got another, at least one more opportunity at Arkansas. And then whatever they get in the conference tournament, they can at least get to the final. That's probably another couple. So let's say seven quad ones would put them right up there with everybody in the nation, not named Kansas. So looking at Kentucky, what are your projections for their ceiling when it comes to Selection Sunday? Because I think a six isn't too far out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I I I think uh, we, hey, we got to talk some BBN here. I knew I knew you would have brought that up. Uh, hey, I think five six seed. I think six seed, like you mentioned. I think that's a, a realistic possibility. And I, I honestly think they may be favored in around a round of 32 game 
over a team like Marquette, uh, perhaps even Kansas State, Gonzaga. We'll see who can move up there. Uh, UConn. I mean, that would be. You're looking at some run of 32 games where Jim Nance, hello friends, on a Sunday afternoon CBS game, they'll be uh, they'll be enjoying that. I think they're they're a dangerous team right now. Uh, we'll see if if Coach Cal can can keep the winning ways. Got three in a row. They need, I think, to probably get uh, at least five in a row. And then if they were to lose to Arkansas, I think they need to get to at least probably the semis, if not the championship game, the SEC, I'd argue, to get to that sixth range. Uh, if not, they'll stay in that 7-8. But I, I still like their chance of avoiding that 8-9 range right now because I already I got them at the moment right now as a 9, and they're going to keep moving up probably every three to five days. So they're playing great ball right now. Been like a top-10 team in the last week in terms of their recent performance. And I think that's got a chance to help them move up. But obviously... Uh, we haven't seen, uh, what, not many more than three, four-game winning streaks uh, all season by now, which I think four is the most they've won. So if they can get to potentially five, they got to win at least five in a row and preferably six or seven, then I like their chances of avoiding that 8-9 range, which is which is huge. I know they'll be a thorn in the side for a one seed, but if they can avoid that 8-9 range, I think there's a chance that they'll have a very favorable round of 32 matchup and, and uh, like their chance a lot more hate to say it, but even more than last year, which obviously was uh, a little disappointing. But I think they can finish strong, which is always the key. Yeah, yeah, and I like Kentucky, too. They've shot up my board. I've got them all the way up to an 8 today. I had, I think I had them at a 10 last weekend. Um, yep. The thing is, the the 7s that I have, I, I don't see them jumping a team like Duke, Michigan State, Arkansas. I mean, they, they could get an opportunity. They have an opportunity at Arkansas that last game of the season. So if they were to win that, they would definitely jump them, I think. I think, like you said, six is probably the highest they can get. But yeah. uh, I think seven is probably the most realistic right now. I think mm-hmm. uh, I think they'll. I don't think they'll end up in an eight. I think they will end up more on the seven line. And imagine real quick, Trevor, before you jump in, because I'm sure you got a thought. Imagine because Phil and I have, and Peyton, we've talked about this in our group chat, and I, we've even mentioned it last week, discussing on one of our episodes. That imagine with the way they're playing, being some poor one seed or two seed, and happen to see this version of Kentucky, who's kind of figured out their identity, who over the last ten games is the third best offense in the country, and doesn't mind mucking it up and playing a defensive grinded out game. By the way, in the NCAA tournament, where rims are tighter and defense mm-hmm. carries, um, God, I would hate to be one of those one or two seeds potentially that has to play Kentucky in the second round right now. Yeah, I'll be honest. Uh, I've been a Kentucky hater all year, and and understandably so, because you mentioned and you you made a very important point there that this is the most important stretch that the offense has had all year. Um, it's been really, really good. And then defensively, like everyone knows, like when you have, especially when you have a lead guard like Kaysen Wallace, who can pretty much lock down anybody one through three right now, uh, translatably to the NBA. But um, I think it's, I, I'm not going to say that six is the perfect uh, destiny answer for them, but I, I mean, I. I would probably have them closer to that seven, eight, but I really, really do like Kentucky. I, I don't necessarily know, like if I'm Kansas, who I believe uh, I have to pull that matchup up again, uh, mm-hmm. or somebody can remind me of that score, but um, they played Kansas already this year and we know what we saw there. I know that was pre what we saw of this Kentucky team now. Um, but if I'm, if I'm Houston, who is probably the best grinded out defensive team in those top four, I'm probably not worried as that one, eight, but uh, yeah, if I'm Purdue, uh, or if I'm, I think, let me make sure I got the right one that we talked about earlier. The other one seed, uh, if I'm Alabama, especially. Yep. Yeah, Alabama. Bama, yeah, for sure. Be, if I'm Bama <laughs> or Purdue, I'm worried. Kansas, again, I'd have to pull up that score. But um, Houston, I, I wouldn't be worried. 
Kansas, I don't remember the exact score, but uh, obviously watched the game. Kansas and the pulling away, winning by like 6-7 okay. at the end. It was a good game back and forth. Actually, I thought Kentucky looked really good. It's just Kansas made a lot of shots, contested shots late in the shot clock, and Jalen Wilson went off, you know, went off like he was prone to do throughout most of the year. But Kentucky gave a good showing. Um, it would be very interesting. And you mentioned Purdue because we've talked a lot about this off-air as well. That is a matchup. If that happens, let's say Kentucky was an eight seed, Purdue's a one. They meet up in the second round, which a lot of projections are looking like potentially in Columbus, Ohio. Kentucky's guards would get after Purdue's guards, I think. I think Eden oh, yeah. would eat and have yeah. like a 40-20 game. But I think Purdue could still lose that game because Kentucky, you mentioned Taysom Wallace, he would bully Braden Smith and Fletcher. Mm-hmm. Correct. Very fun matchups, but I appreciate you guys are doing a tremendous job. Like I said, it's nice to be a guest for once. And Phil, my man, you're killing it. Love you, man. Continue with the show. I appreciate you guys answering that. Well, really quick, too, we've seen an, an example of where, like, especially on Purdue's losing stretch here, teams are basically giving up, putting their hands up and being like, we know that we can't stop Zach Eady. We know that he's going to go for 30 and 18. But, like, like you said, I, I've always – and I've told Phil this before, but, you know, people always say guards win in March. But I like to always clarify with an asterisk and say good guards win in March. And as much as, you know, I, I haven't loved Kentucky all year, their guards are playing like some of the best in the country right now. So I think they're vers- versatile-wise – um, I think some of the shot creation scares me, but um, I think they can beat anybody uh, uh, given the right matchup and the right situation. So We are going to start winding this thing down. want to keep it to around an hour, but I do want to get some bubble talking. That's It's surprising that we haven't really talked a ton of the teams directly on the bubble last four in, first four out, because I feel like that's usually – one of the biggest topics, but it's just there's there's so much to talk about this year. So, Tyler, I'm, I'm looking at your bracket right now, and you have USC, Oklahoma State, Mississippi State, and Wisconsin as your last four in. Out of those four teams, choose, you know, you can talk about all four, choose any four. What do they have to do to solidify themselves at this point? As sure. far uh, – oh, go ahead. Sure. Uh, so, we'll start with USC. You know, they finish at Utah, home with Arizona and Arizona State. I think they need to win two of those three to feel safe. Um, they don't want to drop that home game to Arizona State and, you know, risk the Sun Devils possibly jumping them. So I think that one's a key game to circle. Um, for Oklahoma State, you know, the schedule, Big 12 schedule has been just brutal. But you know, they finish with K-State, Baylor, and at Texas Tech. Um, that Texas Tech game, you know, Texas Tech's right around that bubble too. So that's that's a really big game to finish the season. That's that could be sort of an elimination type game. So we'll see how that one shakes out. <clears throat> Mississippi State finished with Texas A&M, South Carolina, and at Vandy. I think going three and zero in that stretch isn't out of the realm of possibility. I think they could very easily, or not easily, but very well do that. I think three and zero would lock them in. And plus a win over Texas A&M gives them a little bit of breathing room, I think. Wisconsin, though, they have, they've got a tough finishing schedule. They're at Michigan, Ooh. which is another one of those bubble games. Michigan, if they win that, you know, they're looking at possibly jumping over Wisconsin. And um, so I think Wisconsin needs to at least go two and one and then probably win at least a game or two in the tournament to feel safe. So uh, Wisconsin – I, I, if I could pick one team right now that I don't feel good about staying in, I would pick them. Hmm. Did I miss yeah. Memphis in there? I, I was going to mention, I think out of those four we have right yeah. down, I think I, I really do like Memphis. I think that tough game 
Uh, I know I saw the memes and jokes on Twitter of hanging a banner for barely losing to Houston for two years in a row. But um, I, I do think Memphis, granted, are they going to get Davis back? But I do think Memphis, if they lose in the conference tournament and then there's some shifting around some of these kind of on the bubble teams, I think Memphis is capable of beating people in March. I, I like Memphis as well. I think certainly I'm not overly confident in, in Wisconsin. I think Michigan might may, may get him this weekend. And I'm not exactly confident in, U, confident in USC either. We'll see if Utah can bounce back from uh, fairly competitive last night with the Bruins. That came down to basically the wire to the final minute or two. I could see Utah beating USC. So I, I would not be shocked if the Pac-12 only gets two teams in. And uh, that open, I, the teams I think that are going to move up, I, I would not be shocked to see a team like Penn State. And uh, I know you guys are big Tar Heel fans. I've talked about that. But one of those teams I would lean getting in and maybe throwing Michigan, one of these teams kind of that are in that first four to 12 outs, depending on the bracketologist, at least one I think is going to get in. We'll, we'll see some bid stealers, but I'm not really confident in USC or Wisconsin. Um, I, I certainly do like Memphis's chances to get into that. Like last year, I believe they had, what, Boise State in that 8-9 range uh, matchup. I think they could probably end up, if they continue to win, avoid a loss, they'll probably be close to that again. So, like those teams, Mountain West, this is their chance. A team like Utah State, New Mexico, Boise, we've got to get two of those three in. They got Those teams got to rise to the occasion, and New Mexico's been a little disappointing down the stretch here. So we'll see if the Aggies perhaps can take advantage. If not, we're going to ho-hum get the, the generic Michigan-Carolina teams that may sneak in, whether it's a play-in or a favorable 10 seed. I'm sure people will be complaining about it. I can just see it now in 16 days. You matched up so-and-so against uh, Florida Atlantic or whoever it may be, and people will be beefing. But that's why they play the games and still 16 days left. I'm looking forward to because we're going to see plenty of upsets, and we'll see if these bubble teams can, can show uh, just one iota of, of consistency down the stretch here. Still got a few uh, listeners mm-hmm. hanging out in here. I want to leave it open for some questions. If anybody has any, just request to speak. We'll uh, be more than happy to take your questions here. And if not, then I think it's probably about uh, about time to wrap up. And we will be doing this each of the next two Fridays as well, going into Selection Sunday. So I don't it's, see... Yeah, we'll have to do... We'll definitely have to do this. Uh, I can't believe it's only 16 days left it's it, for me it's like christmas morning waking up getting the presents ready you got to get all the brackets out blank brackets i got even a, an old board i got it's gonna it's gonna be a lot of fun and looking forward to seeing uh all these teams just continue to emerge down the stretch here so they, thanks for hosting phil a lot of fun and uh we got a couple here but it, we'll get some more questions involved for next week too as we get closer to these teams can't wait for uh preview and conference tournament week uh gonna be here before you know it Absolutely. Gonna, oh, go ahead. I'm going to ask. I was going to ask one just on Bay. Uh, yeah. It looks like Wesley also dropped one in there. Um, and I'll ask okay. one for the fun of uh, for my for the fun of my buddy Sunbell. Oh, he left either way. Um, but it looks like Wesley has said if Texas Tech goes two and one down the stretch, are they in with maybe one tournament win on top of it? Let's pull up their schedule. I'm not loving their chances, but some people have them. I think it was uh, a couple bracket matrix uh, had them sneaking around the chicken coop here. With three games left, he's saying two and one down the stretch, and they're they got they're hosting TCU and Oklahoma State, and in between are at Kansas. Oof. Two and one and avoid. Yeah, I think that's man. Assuming they could, uh, assuming the loss isn't to Oklahoma State. I mean, it, if you can somehow beat Kansas and TCU, I, I love their chances. But if you 
You split those two, be Oklahoma State. I think they're going to have to probably have a pretty deep Big 12 title potentially run. What would say you guys? Yeah, the, that Oklahoma State game, you know, they're similar resumes. They're right around the same position mm-hmm. right now. Um, be really intriguing game. They got them at home. So, um, like you said, if they – I don't know. At Kansas, that's a tall task. But yeah. Beat, beat TCU, <laughs> beat Oklahoma State, take care of that. Seven ten or eight nine game they play in the Big Twelve tournament. Um, then yeah, then they're yeah. probably in business. They'll be yeah. in that right in that range, depending on how everybody else is doing. Yep, got a shot. I feel we or- yet. Yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. No, say Oral gotta... Roberts. We had a Oral yeah. Roberts. They're they're darlings too. Uh, I, I like their chances. If they, assuming they can get in, they're going to be a dangerous team if they were to get in. I like their chances right now, though. I just want to do. Uh... And mm-hmm. with a fun, a fun belt question, because I love the fun belt as much as the most people, except for Sun Belt Syndicate. But um, I, I don't really know how to frame a question for in terms of seeding. So let's just say for the fun of it, for me, uh, you have your top teams in the Sun Belt right now: Southern Miss, thirteen and four in the conference; uh, Marshall, thirteen and five; uh, Louisiana Lafayette, twelve and five; James Madison, eleven and six; and Old Dominion, eleven and seven. So, assuming those are the top five best teams or top four, if you just want to go James Madison there, um, which one of these teams uh, wins the conference and has the best chance of making a uh, Cinderella type run? Well, we we saw Marshall do it recently. Uh, obviously, lots changed. I, I'd probably lean Southern Miss Marshall. Uh, and I tell you what, what do you guys think? I'm, I'm lean South, Southern Miss probably, but uh, they've lost two of the last what three now, so. Playing Texas State right now, and uh, I know they're they're up what twelve at the half. So and Marshall just lost, so they they'll need <laughs> Southern Miss to lose to uh, tie for the regular season title. So um, in terms of the <laughs> tournament, though, I mean, I re- I really don't know. It's, I would expect it to be between Marshall, Southern Miss, Louisiana. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not an expert on Sunbelt. I'm sorry. Sure. Who is. The reason I ask is he's in here. So if he wants to chime in real quick before we get closed up, that'd be great. You got a Sunbelt uh, fan in here. That. Coverage, too. Does a really a good couple, job with it. Yeah, we got a couple questions. He, he thinks the sleeper is South Alabama. He okay. says, I'm back. I hit the wrong button. He likes South, South Alabama. Alabama. Mm. That's a sleeper, and they're all the way down, what, mid-tier there. At nine, nine and eight. eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would be interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy, though. I mean, Southern Miss Marshall both losing recently. Coming off losing streaks, even James Madison. Maybe that gives Louisiana uh, a leg up on everybody. But he likes he likes South Alabama. We've seen some upsets from, you know, this conference colonial over the years. I, I like those two conferences kind of always flying under the radar for me. But I'd, I'd probably – that's not a bad bet. But that, that conference tournament is probably going to be a, a pretty chaotic, a lot of, a lot of entertainment in that one. Yeah, I – I think that uh, there's no real clear favorite. It kind of every time they jumped up and had what looked like a clear favorite at some point in this season, they ended up losing. Uh, yeah. And with the way South Alabama's playing right now, they've got the guards that can shoot and they've got the big guy down low, Kevin Samuels. Um, just really impressive right now, putting it all together. And they've beaten some of the better teams in the conference. So I don't know. I mean, they, they just keep winning right now. They're yeah. at least on a five game streak, if not, but uh, yeah, I just, I think it's a team right now that's just coming in together and getting hot at the right time. The only thing is now they may be entering their season or, you know, conference tournament play so much earlier than a lot of these other teams that a long break could hurt anybody, no matter if it's South Alabama or right. anybody else. So it'll, that will be the interesting thing from my aspect and, 
obviously the Sun Belt's not been a good basketball conference, and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. the addition of these new four teams this year has really helped bring right. that up. But yeah, yeah, they're on yeah they're on the deuce right now. So I'll take a look at them in a little bit, see if they can uh, get the dub here. All right, sounds good. Thank you guys for uh, sharing all your. Opinions. You got it. Yeah, keep in touch. We'll we'll be back. Hopefully next Friday, but we got a couple weeks left until Selection Sunday. Phil, uh, you can wrap it up here. Appreciate it as always. Uh, great job from you, all you guys tonight. Appreciate you guys hopping on. Yeah, thank you guys. Yeah, appreciate everybody joining. Appreciate you, Dan. Appreciate Trevor hopping in here, having some great insight and questions. Appreciate you, Tyler, with all uh, your bracketology expertise as well. I know NKY had to leave a little early, but mm-hmm. loved what he added. And hopefully we'll be able to uh, add a couple more people to the mix next week. And yeah. uh Yeah, appreciate everybody's time, and uh, have a great night. Take care, guys. See you. Thank you, everybody.